Hello everyone and welcome to part two of the 10 plagues. If you have not heard part one, please go back and listen to it. That way you won't miss anything and um, you can get the full experience of this great event that we had. Um, but for those who have heard already part one, let me see if I can go through it. Um, real quickly on part one and what the Egyptians just went through um, and the Israelites as well. So we know that Moses and Aaron have gone to Egypt and asked the Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh did not want to. Um, so the father brought the plagues upon the Egyptians. The first plague was the waters turned to blood. The second plague was the frogs. And let's keep in mind that all these plagues had to do with some kind of god that the Egyptians worshipped. And the frogs had to do with the god Heked, which is the god of fertility. And there were so many frogs, they had to step on the frogs. Hence, stepping on their own fertility, which sounds horrible especially you know a civilization that it was important to them to have um, a firstborn male and to pass on um, you know their system and beliefs from generation to generation as most great civilizations do the third plague was gnats fourth plague was flies fifth plague was the death of livestock and that gets us halfway through it so, for the sixth plane, um, it was all about the boils, boils in the skin. This also affected both man and beast as they became sores that burned. This is seen as a direct attack to Imhotep. What's interesting is that Imhotep was first an Egyptian man there was an architect and a medicine man who then was made into a deity. This time, God did not tell Moses to talk to Pharaoh. He just gave him an order to grab handfuls of soot and throw them in the air in front of Pharaoh. And once again, Pharaoh did not let his people go. By the time Hail, the seventh plague, comes along, the God of the Israelites makes it clear to Pharaoh that he, God, could have already destroyed Egypt and his people. But God reveals to Pharaoh that he raised them so he may know, so that he may know that there is none like him, like God, in all the earth, and to show his power so that his name be proclaimed in all the earth, as stated in chapter 9, verse 14 through 16. No doubt this happened as I believe most of the world knows the story. Most of the world knows of the God of Israel. This was to show the power of God of Israel against the goddess Nut, who was the goddess of the sky. Once again, we see the God of Israel having mercy upon the Egyptian people. We see starting on verse 19 of chapter 9, that he gives warning to the Egyptians that hail 
it's about to come down and that they should take the livestock to a safe place. Some of them did, some of them did not. But in the land of Goshen where the Hebrews were, no hail, no destruction came to them. We once again see Pharaoh starting to bend the knee by admitting that he has sinned and now he's willing to let his people go, God's people. But once he sees that the hail cleared up, his heart hardened again, and he did not let his people go. Reminds me when I was younger that as soon as things will get better, I will forget about all the heartache I went through, and I just went back to my old ways. I was just hard-headed, just like Pharaoh. Sometimes we will learn the lesson repeatedly until we get it. What is best is to get it the first time. But even better is to listen to the instructions of the Father and do them. Okay, back to the story. Now, we move on to the eighth plague. The locust. I don't know if you guys have seen him, but they're not the best looking bug out there. But on their own, they seem completely harmless. And they are for the most part. The scripture tells us that after the hail, there were still some crops left and trees left. But that was all about to change as the father set his judgment on Pharaoh, the Egyptians, and the god Set, who is known as the protector of crops. God sends Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh and says on Exodus chapter 10 verse 3, quote, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? End quote. And that is a question that I believe we should be asking ourselves as well. By this point, the Pharaoh's servants are pushing him to let the Hebrews go. This time, Pharaoh is willing to let them go, but only the men and not the children and women. He knows that once he lets them go, they will not be coming back. Moses responds in verse 9, quote, we will go, we will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold the feast to Yah. End quote. God hardens Pharaoh's heart once again and does not let his people go. Moses is then instructed to stretch, stretch out his staff and the locusts came upon the land and ate all the plants and all the fruit. A quick internet search tells me that a one kilometer swarm with about 40 million locusts can consume what 35,000 people eat in a day. So individually, they are harmless, but together they can cause utter destruction on crops. Pharaoh once again asked for forgiveness. Moses pleaded, pleaded with God. The locusts left, and you guessed it, he still did not let his people go. Darkness was given for three days as the ninth plague. But the darkness did not fall upon the Hebrews. It was so dark that the Egyptians did not even move from wherever they were sitting or laying because they could not even see themselves. 
This was against the most powerful god of the Egyptians, Ra, the sun god. We can see Pharaoh caving in by allowing the Hebrews and their children to go, but he did not want to let their animals go. Moses explains that they need the animals to make the sacrifices and burnt offerings for the feast. Pharaoh does not comply and does not let his people go. He will then go to regret this in a very personal way. For the tenth plague and final, every firstborn of Egypt will die, including Pharaoh's. Now this judgment was on a living God. The Egyptians considered Pharaoh a living God, the son of Ra, the son of a sun God, but not the son of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of the nation of Israel, his promised people. This is where we see the institution of the Passover and a shadow of what will come to be as our Messiah and Savior becomes our Passover lamb. I encourage everyone to read the rest of the story as there's so much to be seen. I will end with why I think it was the reason that by the fourth plague, God tells Moses to speak. This is because at first Moses did not want to speak because of a possible speech impediment or maybe a lack of confidence. As we see earlier, he did not want to speak to Pharaoh. So God allowed Aaron to speak for him. And as we see in chapter 4, verses 10 through 16, I believe that by now he had gained confidence and he saw the greatness of God. Note, I may have not gotten correct the specific Egyptian gods with each plague. For what I could find, there is a debate on who was the god that was being judged with each plague. The Egyptians had numerous amounts of gods and multiple gods for each belief. But the point is, that as Exodus chapter 12 verse 12 states, the judgments were executed on all the gods of Egypt. Final thoughts. We have clearly seen that there is no God more powerful than the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. There are no so-called other gods. These so-called gods were made of gods with no power. Gods of wood and stone that could not speak. We must keep in mind that in our culture, we may not worship gods of wood and stone directly. We do not make sacrifices to them in the traditional sense. But can we point out to traditions where the indirect worship of idols could occur? Keep in mind that there's, there does not have to be a figurine to be considered an idol, but sometimes there is. Our career can be our idol, money, a title, and even our family. Let us keep in mind 
the first and second commandments given to Moses. You shall have no other gods before me, and you shall make no idols. Let us dig into our hearts to make sure we're not indirectly worshiping idols of wood, stone, or plastic. Let us pray for the Father through the Messiah that he shows us if there's any part of our lives that we're not putting first before him. Until next time.